Do you still feel responsible for your parents' death? My anger outweighs my guilt. Come. You have learned to bury your guilt with anger. I will teach you to confront it and to face the truth. You know how to fight six men. We can teach you how to engage 600. You know how to disappear. We can teach you to become truly invisible. Invisible? Abhi! Ninja understands that invisibility is a matter of patience and agility. Hello and welcome to this extremely special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast, boys. Um, it's been a while. You know, we've we've been having trouble scheduling. Usually, it's summers when we have trouble. Everybody on vacation. Um, but uh, yeah, it's okay. We got lots going on in our private, personal, and private lives. So that well, don't make often it sound seedy. Yeah. It's just normal stuff. I don't know what Lee's been doing, it's but he's seedy. been the it's one. seedy. Yeah, good, 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 good. Okay. Um, well, guys, so we started out trying to do a 15-year retrospective of. The Dark Knight, um, a film that if you've listened to our Nolan retrospective or Nolan director series, rather, um, you would know that we all have some interesting, to say the least, feelings about it. Um, But due to the um, aforementioned scheduling issues, we were all able to watch the entire Dark Knight trilogy. So we thought we'd just go ahead and review what many believe to be the best superhero movie superhero movies ever made um and lee i have a quick question for you do you know where the dark knight sits on the imdb top 250 uh i don't but i believe it is in the top 10 is it okay so that's a good place to start um and i just wanted to provide just a tiny bit of context here um three so it's number three yeah, Shawshank, That's... The Godfather, Dark Knight. Okay, so this is this movie is revered. Um, I think a lot of people chalk up the expansion of um, or the final decision to expand the categories of Best Picture to, to up to ten films to the uh, lack of a nomination for The Dark Knight in two thousand nine, um, uh, wanting to be able to sort of capture movies of that ilk. Um, in the Oscars. Of course, Heath Ledger won uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, post post posthumously. Posthumously, thank you. You wanted to um, say post mortem, post mortem, <laughs> which would have, uh, I suppose, worked. That would have worked. Um, but yeah. So, um, I think we all have mixed feelings about the dark Knight, but I all, but I think this is a good trilogy to discuss because I think it's very revered. And, um, Jeremy, I think you mentioned today talking a little bit about how sort of influential it's been, um, you know, where it's been going. We, we, we all, I think really liked Nolan a lot. I'm, I think I'm probably the biggest Nolan fan. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think this, it's a fascinating series to, to discuss. Um, I wanted to give a little bit of context. So, um, you know, Batman begins comes out in 19 or 2005, um, sort of rebooting the Batman series, um, in kind of a 
relatively unusual move. Like, you know, I, they didn't necessarily reboot things all the time back then, um, where now you have a new Spider-Man reboot every kind of decade. Um, the Joel Schumacher Batman's slash Tim Burton Batman sort of ended in 1997 with the abysmal Batman and Robin, which was a totally different sort of style and take on the uh, caped crusader. Um, so they hired Nolan off of uh, Memento and Insomnia. He did Insomnia for Warner Brothers, and I think Nolan came in with a pitch. Um, Can we also just real quick just say like the the um, hiring of Nolan based on Insomnia? Insomnia seems now that in retrospective the most unusual and out of place of Nolan's movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe. Well, I, so I'm saying they, I don't know that they definitely hired him off of that film, well, but he had done Insomnia right. for Warner Brothers um, in 2000. Yeah, that's all he had done that in Memento, right? right. At that right. point. And then obviously the, the first movie he made. It's just such a weird. It is uh, a weird. It's weird. I think they yeah. were obviously looking for to do something a lot different. Um, anyway, so. Um, Batman Begins does okay. I think it, it does $373 million worldwide and is the ninth highest grossing movie of 2005. Um, so that's okay. It does okay. It's got a $150 million budget, so maybe it made money. Probably not. Um, but I think it's very well reviewed. Uh, it's sort of beloved by fans. I think it does very well on video Well, as well. It makes quite a bit of money. On video, I believe my uh, yes, 167 million on DVD, um, and so they greenlit greenlight a sequel, um, and it's a bigger movie, a little bit bigger scale, more money. Um, I think based on mostly like the video success of Batman Begins and uh, the Dark Knight comes out and opens to the largest opening at that time of all time, uh, and is a huge, huge hit. Uh, and thus kind of mints Nolan as this wonderkin box office, you know, draw as a director. His name sells things. And I think we we sort of forget that, um, you know, like the Dark Knight did okay. Uh, I'm sorry, the Batman Begins did okay. And then he made The Prestige, which was uh, obviously a, an excellent movie, but did not uh, light, light the world on fire box office wise. It was, it was a success, but... Um, you know, the real kind of minting of, uh, I think the real sort of proving ground of Nolan is Inception after, shortly after the Dark Knight. So the Dark Knight's a, this huge hit, but I think he's got uh, the sort of the, the Heath Ledger death and the kind of the tie-in with that performance. You know, there's sort of the legend that he died because he played the Joker. It was so, <laughs> like, polluting to his mind. And... Um, but then I think he makes this sort of totally original movie with Inception and it's a huge, huge hit. And that kind of makes Nolan this like, you know, in the in in the same whispered in the same breath as James Cameron or, you know, other kind of action auteurs. Um, so, yeah, I think the and then, of course, he after he makes Inception, he finishes his trilogy perhaps begrudgingly. I don't know if we have any research on that. If you guys did any research, um, it certainly feels like that movie is not one he wanted to make. Um, but 
perhaps he decided that he did. Uh, but um, it's 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 also a very big hit, uh, but does not um, have the same sort of critical or sort of fan love that the other ones do. Um, so yeah, that is my context. Any, am I missing anything? Well, I think it's important to note because again, so <clears throat> Batman Begins came out almost 20 years ago, right? 2005, so 18 years ago. Yep. Um, that he sort of ushered in the the realism edge to superhero movies. Right. Um, and sort of ch- changed how we, our, our expectations as an audience of what we're going to get when we walk into one of these type of films. Hmm. Um, and maybe to the detriment, and I think we should definitely talk about that, where that where it went in the Marvel Universe, and now, you know, the super emo-y darkness of the newest Batman, and maybe they've just gone too far on that end of it. But I think it's important to note that it kind of started here. Right. And, and you know, going back and watching Batman Begins, I sort of always knew this, but it was nice to confirm it. Batman Begins, at least in its sort of... Uh, style um, use of CGI. It, it feels like ostensibly a lot more like sort of the action pictures of that time, you know, with special effect or visual effects. Um, it looks more like a, a little bit more like a, like a sort of a normal blockbuster um, than the other movies do. Once, you know, Nolan gets a little more power, he's able to shoot with IMAX and things are a lot more realistic and, Anyways, but I, so I think that began, you're right, it began with Batman Begins, but, you know, did it, I think it was really sort of solidified in Dark Knight. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think one way we could kind of get this kicked off is to ask ourselves if any of our minds have changed since our Nolan retrospective in how we feel about any of these movies watching them again. And I, I could tell you mine definitely has. Great. Well, let's start there. Um, I, I actually enjoyed the dark Knight. I didn't have the same issues I had last time with the dark Knight that I, um, th- this go around. I, um, I sort of put those away. I think I was able to just silence the critical mind of mine that, uh, I would say nitpicked the editing and the pacing and sort of things like that. And really mm-hmm. sort of follow, tried to follow the story. And I, I, I really enjoyed it this this time around it it of the three it's definitely positioned firmly number two now uh over the dark knight rises so your rankings changed my whole <laughs> rankings changed yes um i i also had arguably a better experience with both the dark knight and the dark knight rises although i don't know that my critiques have ultimately changed um i think maybe they've just softened um We'll get into that more. Uh, Batman Begins is still my favorite for all the same reasons it always has been. I think something that I've probably mentioned to at least you guys before that I think I kind of stand by is that um, each one of these movies is better individually than they are as part of the trilogy. Um, Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, I think that a lot of my problems, or maybe not a lot, but some of my problems with specifically The Dark Knight and Chapin, you kind of noted this in the outline, is that it does not 
deliver entirely on the promise from Batman Begins in terms of this grounded, very like ultra realistic take on a superhero. And I love that about Batman Begins. Like in particularly like the first hour of Batman Begins, I think is just awesome. And the movies get away from that. And because of the expectations set by Batman Begins, I think that hurts the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. But if you take that away and just watch the movies individually and forget about that context, it doesn't matter as much. I also think, like, just inherently, origin stories are more interesting. Like, finding out how Batman becomes Batman or how Iron Man became Iron Man. Like, that's still my favorite of the Marvel movies. I think just mm. it's it's more interesting to to see that journey than it is once we have established our hero and having him well i also think that take on whatever iron man you know while perhaps perhaps a little bit more fantastical still grounds itself similarly to batman begins in comparison to something that comes to mind like spider-man that like oh peter parker gets bit by a spider that's that's not that interesting whereas like both Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne use their means to like develop the ability to be these superheroes. And I think that's just so much more interesting to watch, whether you believe it or whether it makes any sense, depending on the movie doesn't always matter as much as how cool it is to see. Yeah. That's, that's, I think what Nolan does so well on the bat and the dark and Batman begins is that he, he shows you how he learns to fight. He shows you how to how he you know puts together the first sort of technological stuff that Batman does. And I don't know if Nolan invented that, you know, or that's there's some comic book um, sort of source material there. But it's fascinating. But also he gives us the emotional um, arc that begins Batman, and we start to understand. I think, you know, more beyond just avenging his parents, who this guy, who this guy is and, and what motivates him and that he starts as this angry kid who wants vengeance. And then after spending some time with the, uh, the, uh, whatever they're called League, um, League of shadows, the league of shadows, you know, starts to solidify and understand that he needs to be this symbol, um, that to sort of strike fear into the hearts of, you know, minor criminals and, and <laughs> Gotham. Um, yeah. And I think my sort of biggest complaint about this trilogy is, is exactly what you just said, Lee, is that I, I don't think the two pre the two following movies deliver on what this movie is setting up. Like, I feel like he's trying to end Batman in the first act of, the Dark Knight. I'm like, well, we just started this. You wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. Then why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I don't, don't want 
gonna kill you? What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete me. You're garbage. Who kills for money? Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. Where would you want it to go, like, in, in your mind? How would you want I this? I mean, the, the, the simplest thing... And I've and I've always been critical of this is that as soon the very first scene that we see Batman in in the Dark Knight, which is the copycat scene in the parking garage where Dr. Crane is sort of inexplicably there, um, played by Killian Murphy. He's inexplicably um, all over this. Yeah, he shows up randomly in the in Dark Knight Rises. I mean, Nolan just loves Killian Murphy. That's we've we've learned this, but um you you lose the <laughs> the whole idea of of a bat and a ninja and like being in the shadows one of the best scenes in this entire trilogy is the scene when batman takes falcone at the docks and you right. never see him and it's just these guys looking around you hit, it's great sound design and like that is exactly what we see him learn with Ra's al Ghul in the League of Shadows. And that's what Jabin's talking about. Like that's what was delivered on so well. And then that is immediately in the very first scene featuring Batman in The Dark Knight is gone. And it gets progressively worse to the point in Dark Knight Rises when it's just fist fights on the front steps of Wall Street. And it's not the same thing. And like those scenes in those individual movies are good on their own, but they do not work in the context of what Nolan set up so brilliantly. And I think that that is maybe a small thing, but I think it is a microcosm of the bigger picture, like what was abandoned. And I think we can kind of try to uncover why we think that happened. Well, and I, th okay. I think your point, Jabin, is interesting where you say like he's trying to get rid of Batman right at the beginning of the Dark yeah, Knight, I, and is like, is that because the villains become more interesting? Like, and that is definitely they are definitely more interesting in this the the uh, second and third movie. What well, also could be partly just how cinematic can he make it if Batman's always in the shadows? You know, I feel that's, like that, I understand that. I think we're focusing a little too much on that specifically. I think I know, it's a good metaphor for what you're talking about, Lee. But like, if you to me the big the big big problem is that Nolan uses Rachel Dawes as this as this fulcrum point for Batman. He like he wants to his whole belief in Harvey Dent feels very far-fetched and very strange and you know out of character and it's just so that he can you know that this district att attorney can like do what Batman does, but do it in the light and not so, the shadows. And like one, 
that's not Batman as I know it. I mean, I don't know. Like this, the, the guy you set up is this, is this sort of, you know, uh, isolated, angry young man in the first movie who knows he needs to protect his identity for his, um, for his, the, the loved ones around him. And there's really only two of them. And, and for his you billions. Know, right. And, and, and then, the next movie is God. Like, let's find this district attorney who can, which will mean I can have this romance that I have been wanting. Even though we know she's dating the same guy, and yeah, it did. To it boot, did, it's played by Maggie Chillenhall. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like they wanted that Bat- Batman wanted to quit right from the get go. Um. So I know we talked a little bit about kind of uh, each defending one of these movies we kind of assigned a movie for each of us to defend or play devil's advocate or just be the opposite side of the argument as we're discussing them and and for me it was batman begins um chapin dark knight and jeremy dark knight rises i think is that right yeah i Um, guess but where it's not hard to defend batman begins i think we all know that and it's our favorite of the three but where i i really can't defend it is the casting of Katie Holmes, and while I really Didn't don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal this time around, I really don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's much better than Katie Holmes is, even though I don't think she's very good as that character in The Dark Knight. But I don't know, Jeremy. I think she doesn't look the part. She doesn't really deliver on a lot of the emotional aspects that are necessary to build to the point that Chapin is talking about, where this woman is supposed to like change Bruce's life to the yeah. point where not only does he get his act together and go and try to do good, but then not only that realize that there is a more idealistic way to do it and that he isn't the one to do it, but that Harvey Dent is. And like, you're supposed to buy all that based on how much he cares about what Rachel has to say. And neither Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal are able to deliver that, but especially Katie Holmes, like, I don't know. I had a, like little things this time watching it. I was just like, what district attorney in like arguably America's greatest city, as we're supposed to assume Gotham is, is 30 years old. Like, <laughs> I mean, that part is just it's, it's, stuff like that just doesn't work about this role. I, I mean, to play devil's advocate a little bit. I mean, as we've talked about, Nolan isn't the greatest with um, female characters to begin with. So that could be part of the problem. Yep. Um, it may not have bothered me as much this time, just because I'm so used to it. Uh, you know, I've seen Batman begins probably five, six times. It's maybe just gone to the point of ignoring it, but yeah, it's all, it's all correct. What you, what you said. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things that definitely stood out to me is that like, as far as the female performances, like Anne Hathaway in um, dark Knight rises is by far the best female performance in this trilogy. I would agree with that. I think she's really good. Um, let's, let's save that just cause we haven't really dug into dark Knight rises too much yet. I mean, I don't disagree that she's good in it, but her character, I don't know. It just like feels so extraneous, like so much of that well, movie does. That, but that whole movie, yeah. Um, but on the Dawes point, like Taven, I think you're right. Like, and and Jeremy, you pointing out that Nolan struggles with female characters, yet here he like so much rides on 
the emotion tied to those female characters in these first two movies. I mean, I guess it rides a little less in Batman Begins, but it's all there to set up what we get to in The Dark Knight. And <laughs> I don't know. Raise your hand if you care when Rachel dies. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody's raising their hand, listeners. Is that because we don't care about Rachel? Is that because we don't care about the Harvey Dent, Rachel, Bruce Wayne love triangle? All of the above? I mean... Yeah, we would. I think as an audience, we, we really kind of want to care about that. Yeah, we want to move on from that and get back to the Joker. Really, I mean, that's the that's the other thing about. <clears throat> no, it's just, it's just it's just not interesting. Like it's just it, the whole thing doesn't work. And the problem is, is that the movie the movie doesn't want to make it work. Like <clears throat> you've got this. So let's not forget, Rachel Dawes is an is an entirely is an is an invention of Nolan. She's not a comic book character. She is a trope that they wrote into this movie right <clears throat> into the series and she's the catalyst for all these things happening yet at the beginning of batman or of, of the dark knight she's dating harvey dent right so she's used as this linchpin so that when when rachel dies it motivates two or motivates uh, harvey dent to become two-face but it's also but like it's also we've been told that this is Batman's, you know, big emotional motivation. He wants to finish being Batman after doing it for what six months, maybe. <laughs> I know. Well, no, there's the there's the the time lapse between the movies. I think. Well, there's a really long one between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, but well, I think there's pull, one. Yeah, he pulls out the. That's the thing. He pulls out the the. They pull out the Joker card. And he's like him again, and it's you know like yeah he was they. Like he, the Joker's been on the loose, so it's probably a couple months since the right. other the last movie, and then well, he just retires. And not only that, but the sidebar that isn't Rachel dating the district attorney in the in Batman Begins right. also she just loves a to fuck one. her boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. she just loves the DA, and so 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 she so she's dating. So then Rachel dies, and it motivates. We see the emotional motivation and the emotional impact it has on Harvey Dent, but it's not really explored with with Bruce Wayne. Like it's like, oh, Harvey can never know she wanted to fuck me or whatever. It's like, well, it's actually the opposite. Like, what is this? It's so convoluted. What's going on? And also, like, like, like the Batman is the star of this movie. Why are we so? Why are we so invested in Harvey and and Harvey's emotions? And that's the problem is that like the you know Nolan moves the sort of the sort of emotional impact of this film to the shoulders of Harvey Dent, and it's played by I think one of the worst performances in this series. Um, I think he's like kind of miscast and. Um, you know, I, I I think he's poorly written too. Like in a movie where you've got the Joker played by Heath Ledger, who seems to be probably the best written character Nolan has ever created, and Harvey Dent, who seems to be the worst character that Nolan has ever written for. I, I it it's so that that those two elements existing in the same movie. Like I, I guess I understand them from a storytelling perspective. Like, but the movie doesn't know what who to side with. Like at one point, you've got this 
amazing Hans Zimmer score of the Joker where I like literally he's like taking a piece of a shard of glass and running it over like an electric cello and it's so evocative and then you've got this weepy bullshit score around Harvey Dent and like the movie doesn't know what it wants you to who who you who it wants you to identify with and then Batman's there kind of in the background um I think Jeremy what he was going to get to about the Joker is just an interesting piece because Chapin, you're talking about how like one is so well written and obviously so well performed, and the and then the other aspects are not as well written. Like, my question is, how much does Heath Ledger's Joker either just simply hurt the balance of this movie, or maybe just hurt this movie? Period. Well, In I think I think it's it's I, all you want to Chapin's point. It's 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 not his fault, you know, like. Well, I'm not no, blaming him. I'm just wondering. Well, what I'm saying is, like, you, you could still have this performance and the balance of this movie be fine, but the movie doesn't know where it wants to go. And that's where the issue is. Like, you, he would if he had simplified this um, and maybe taken the whole Dent character out, I don't know. Like, and it's just somehow Batman and the Joker, I think that would have... I think I mean, that would have been less distracting. Needs to be simplified. And like something I noticed watching these is that the the first hour of all of these movies is actually really really good. Yeah. And but each one gets progressively more complicated as the movies progress. Batman Begins remains pretty simple. Um, you know, it's a little overcomplicated in terms of like um, Scarecrow, you know, producing this drug that the League of Shadows is going to, you know, but it's all one plot line, essentially. Dark Knight has the mob. It has Harvey Dent. It has uh, Lau that's laundering money for the, the mob. Then they have to go do this absolutely unnecessary but cool scene in Hong Kong. And then you get to the Dark Knight Rises where it's just like, what is happening after you get to maybe the hour and 30 minute mark. Um, I think I, particularly when the undercover uh, FBI officers arrive and talk to uh, Marion Cotillard and Morgan Freeman and then immediately get killed is when this mo- that movie just starts to go completely off the rails. But they just get so overly complicated that all your investment starts to f- fade with the dark knight you just like always have the joker to go back to and i think that's why my question about like does he actually hurt this movie in a sense that because he's so good the writing is so good the performance is iconic but the other stuff just can't live up to it like you're just off balance the whole time like all you want to do is see more heath ledger's joker whether it's has anything to do with the plot or not yeah i agree Uh, i think it's oh sorry go ahead jeremy no i mean I think, yeah, no, go go ahead, Chapin. My my point's going to move on to more general bad guys. But um, what were you going to say? I I think the I think the one thing you're discounting, Lee, is that the filmmaking is excellent in The Dark Knight, and yeah, that works well. Like the set pieces are incredible, and I think it's Nolan, you know, realizing he might not have a an opportunity to make his heat or whatever. I, I kind of hate that 
that narrative, like that this is his his heat, his you know crime opus thing, because like I guess the reason I don't want to interrupt you, but like the reason is because that that proves my point that this movie works better individually than it does part of the trilogy. Like to say that this is his heat is abandoning his progression of the Batman Begins story. Right. No, I agree with that. I'm, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying I think Nolan wanted to make a movie like that, and this is what he decided. He this is how he decided to do it. Right. Um, it's interesting. Nolan recently came out and and talked about. I don't know if you guys saw this, but talked about his sort of disdain for Marvel sequels, even though you know he. Directed. Well, there's there's uh, this whole uh, um, narrative surrounding Oppenheimer about like it being a metaphor for his regret for building something that well, is now like <laughs> dangerous. Like, <laughs> well, this is what he That's says. A this is a, a quote from him. When we did Batman Begins, we didn't know we'd do one and it took three years to do it. And then four years before the next one, we had the luxury of time. It didn't feel like a machine, an engine of commerce for the studio. As the genre becomes so successful, those pressures become greater and greater. It was the right time. So I think he just, he still felt like when he was making this, because it was so at the beginning of, these movies that he could do he could still be as be an auteur with them um you know so I, that whole oppenheimer concept i like that it, it works i don't know if you know he it was ever thought of by him but right. i think the the conceptual idea of it works um so moving on to uh or continuing to talk about you know obviously We've said what we feel about Heath Ledger and the Joker. Um, how, where do you guys rank the other villains in these this trilogy? I guess specifically uh, Bane when it comes to this. Well, Bane is is a cool character. Like I, I just I like the idea of Bane. Um. I think he's but a, who gives I, a shit what he's talking about this entire movie, and I also he, what an anticlimactic villain death. Well, like, <laughs> also I think he's a great villain up until the point where they have to explain his origin story, and then he becomes uh, uninteresting. I think it's well, that's true. I also think like once he starts doing his Occupy Wall Street speech, like I'm, I'm like you're talking too much for somebody that we can't hear. Like yeah, that's not very good at talking. Yeah. But like up until the scene when he first fight, I mean, I don't, I can't, I can never remember like which part comes first, but like the scene when he fights Batman down in his cave and it's like, you've simply adopted the doc. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's all really cool. Like I love how hard he plays it, like how he walks and like all that stuff. But like, it's just, a, it becomes so silly too. Like, Again, the fist fight, and he's they're just like punching each other, and then he's like punching these like concrete pillars, and yeah, he's like, so strong that he can do, uh, yeah. And like, uh, it's just also why know. why do all these bad what do all these uh, super villains have against Gotham in particular? It seems so weird. 
Well, he's fulfilling Ra's al Ghul's destiny, as yeah, you know. Yeah, they all are, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ra's al Ghul's destiny. But why they hate Gotham in particular so much, uh, that doesn't seem like a particularly nice city. Well, it gets, and it also gets bigger and bigger um, in each movie. Bigger has, and uglier. It just has this, like, one one bridge that people can get out of the city in in Batman Begins when they release the gas. And then in Dark Knight Rises, Bane blows up like six bridges all at once. It's a good economy, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's a flourishing city. Um, uh, yeah, Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul, I think, are both really good villains. I mean, I I love the like the the Ra's al Ghul is kind of the smart. Well, I don't know. The Joker is very good, but you know, just the simplicity of Ra's al Ghul, like disguising his real identity you know and then accusing bruce of doing the same thing i just think it's just like such a nice easy way to you know do a plant and payoff with a villain in a movie and liam neeson is great uh, i i kind of disagree i think he's he's fine but he's distracting i don't feel like there's anything unique about him or that villain that can carry carry it through three movies well i yeah the fact that they like bring the league of shadows back i think doesn't work but i like the the white collarness of liam neeson's character even though he's not really a white collar criminal by any means like he just like has this sophistication that i just find really appealing i also think it's weird though that honestly you're saying the white collar but the whiteness of him like he, they, yeah, and his name's Raz Al Ghul. That go, he goes up into a, a mountain in the middle of uh, whatever <clears throat> Eastern Asia or whatever, and the guy who's leading it is, uh, you know, a six foot five Irish dude. Up in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably he blended in pretty well, huh? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's all this, like especially in in the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. There's just like all this stuff about like people going to these like random countries like you know alfred was in burma looking for diamonds or whatever or looking yeah, for the I bandit it, it's and like, like when what were you doing when were you, you doing know, that you're a butler <laughs> yeah you've been and a then, butler forever and then you know this this prison this inescapable prison <laughs> that is god knows where that they like seems like it might just be an uber ride away from gotham the, like how quickly they move to and from it yeah, there's there's a ticking time bomb, and he like walks in and surprises Catwoman like so casually wearing like a like a plaid shirt, and he's like, and there's like, isn't the bomb like twelve hours from going out? Can he really af- like afford to make a surprise appearance? And he's like, well, Bane's plan is just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna set this time bomb just long enough for. Bruce for Batman's broken back to heal and to have him make three or four escape attempts from this prison before he actually does it and gets back just in time. Right. That's another thing is that there's in, and it begins in the dark night at the end with the two fairies. It's like, we're going to give the ignition the like they got to blow up the, the, the barges or, or we're going to, they have to blow up the other barge or we're going to blow them both up. And it's like, we talked about this on the, director series it was like he's like oh well people didn't really respond as well to that that uh like the fairy scene as i'd hope let's just try again 
Let's just do it again, but bigger. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter because Talia Al Ghul has the remote the whole time. Like they're and then they have to like it's the slow turning of the knife. Well, yeah, it varies. It's like you could have like, blown Gotham up six months ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's an hour and a half too slow of a turning of a knife in that movie for sure. Um, it's, it right, just well, keeps going on. Jeremy, you are tasked with defending the Dark Knight Rises. I know it's going to be tough. I mean, my biggest defense of it is that I think I like Bane as a villain. It seems more than you guys do. Um, and that's pretty much it. Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, it's, I, hu- it's a hard the, one too. I, I think, I think that the first hour is, is really entertaining, but like even now thinking back on it, all the nonsense with Matthew Modine and like Jim Gordon's guilt and about Harvey Dent and the Dent Act and like Bruce being like, isolated for eight years and is somehow has a limp that we don't really understand and the introduction of of Catwoman and Anne Hathaway trying to get this like what do they call it free pass escape route what <laughs> clean the, uh, slate it's, it's the clean slate it's the uh <laughs> it's the uh yeah it's the the dump of uh, exposition there yeah every time it's just like it what is going on in this movie? But I, I don't know. I was forgiving of it for a while. And then, you know, I, I do think Bane is cool. And like, it's a good performance by Tom Hardy, but it just also is a character that ultimately doesn't make a lot of sense. And a movie that doesn't need the twists that it has. I don't know. I, I, I This is not great podcasting. I'm literally just like recounting the movie, recounting the things that are wrong with it. But, um, I don't know. I, I we need Jeremy to either be able to defend some of these things, or we need to find something that is like, like what made? Why do people think this movie is is good? I mean, this has a. I mean, it has a seventy eight on Metacritic, um, but it has an eight point four out of ten for the IMDb user rating. I don't know if it still has made the top two fifty. Um, but I mean, I, th- I think people are forgiving of this movie because of their love for the dark Knight, which I think, I don't know. I think we have very articulately pointed out some issues with that movie that everybody seems to conveniently ignore. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think, I think one, it's, it's pretty lazy storytelling. Like, um, you know, when I, I, I think initially I liked the idea of the league of shadows coming back. Um, I don't think it's quite executed in a very satisfying way. Um, but I like, imagine what he could have done just going on. Like, like, I don't know. It, It was so with the cachet he had from the dark Knight, you know, he could have done whatever he wanted and he chose to kind of like rehash the old story. And, you know, you've got this sort of villain twist payoff at the end that like doesn't really have enough time to make much of an impact, you know, so like, you know, she's revealed as Talia Al Ghul, um, 
Yeah, but know, once again, a character throughout the movie that we just don't particularly care about. Right, and she's always there. And then they're like, oh, do you want? should we bring her into... Should we bring this like billionaire woman who's also stuck on Gotham into the like marking of the van process? And of course she does that. And then I just dawned on me on this one that she's obviously feeding him information. Right. And, and she's marking it incorrectly so that the, the, the thing still survives. I'm like, this is awfully convoluted. And, um, it's just, you know, and, and, and also like in the theory, what were they waiting for? Like, what were they other than for Batman to get better and get back for the plot? Well, the, what were they waiting for? I that think whole the idea time? was like the, the, the thing, the, the mechanism, the fusion power had like, they couldn't, I guess they could blow it up because it had the, they had the trigger. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, they had the trigger, <laughs> the whole but, time. Like, but it was also decaying. So like it had a th- right. so it was a time bomb at the same but time. But they waited and waited and waited just so Batman could get better and get back to Gotham. Like that's the only reason they waited. But they weren't expecting him to because I broke you, and he's like surprised. I you. Um, I I don't understand what he was trying to do with the Dark Knight Rises. All of these new characters are introduced that you just don't care about. You don't care about. Um, Anne Hathaway at all. You don't care about Marion Cotillard. You do not care about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Like, I don't know. I just, I also Lee, his get a full kick name out of the, is Robin. That's true. Oh. So I also get a kick out of how in The Dark Knight Rises, so it opens, we've learned it's been eight years since um, Harvey Dent's death when, right. and, you know, and Batman goes on the run. And, ba- and, ba- and Gotham, so like, why? Right. <laughs> but now... Everybody just knows that it, Batman is Bruce Wayne. Bane knows. Marion Cotillard knows. Joseph Gordon-Levitt knows. Like they all just know. Gordon can't figure it out. Yeah, Gordon's not but, a very good yeah. detective. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you? <laughs> but like, just everyone just knows who he is. Who are you? What's your name? And not oh, only do like know who he is, questions. but like Bane just like builds this thing underneath his armory. <laughs> yeah, very sneaky. All right. Well, we're never going to get to the bottom of uh, the inaccuracies or the questions of the Dark Knight Rises. I don't think. Um, Chapin, what was the budget of that? Did did Nolan just have too much money and he needed to spend? Yeah, it? I mean, it was. It, they spent three hundred on it, but then it uh, they got a big like rebate. <laughs> so yeah. it says two hundred and fifty. Yeah, it just was like, okay, I it just felt like a director that needed to spend money any which way he can. But honestly, like I don't think it looks much different. I mean, the the the, the opening set scene I think is is probably the biggest scene, but um um Dark Knight Rises is number 70 on IMDb's top 250. Okay. So that's insane. I mean, what yeah, do you... I mean, I, I, like that was our that was all of ours. Well, I guess besides Jeremy's, that was was that his worst movie on our list. I Luke? think you had following last, Chapin. Um, it was my it was my number. Was it ten movies that we had at the time or whatever? But it was my last one. Um, yeah, I had it nine. Yeah. So, I want to know. 
like when he's making when he's when he decides he's going to make the dark knight rises is it like do you guys think he just like had the bane character like that was the plan or was it like he wanted to continue the harvey dent storyline like somehow because the the Harvey Dent aspect is where like so many of these like plot lines just go in a million different directions because it's like Gordon's guilt about the Dent Act and like you got to make sure that nobody finds that out but then Bane finds this letter and brings that back and that's why everybody like riots because they think like they want the criminals like that is the catalyst for so much of the story do you think he felt like he needed to tell more of that story or do you think he was just like yeah I'll do the Dark Knight Rises. Let's go with Bane. That's a cool character. I'll get Tom Hardy, and then we'll piece the rest together. Yeah, I don't think the Dent aspect was a catalyst for making the movie. I mean, he's just mentioned in it. I think, I think he's just used as a tie-in to keep it more of a uh, coherent, well, not coherent, right? But, but it's but the whole trilogy. aspect of like Batman not being there. Like he's the one that's supposed supposed to have killed. Right, Dent, but that's like, he's you know, a villain now. That's not really a huge plot point in that movie. Uh, in in the Dark Knight Rises, that's just something that's brought up to keep, you know, why? Well, why no, is because Batman it has like when when he when he comes back, you have Matthew Modine being like, "I'm gonna be the guy that catches the Batman," and like the whole like division of power being like, "Who's who's the bad guy here?" No, then you really have co- it you didn't know, really come across idealistic Joseph Gordon-Levitt that <laughs> is tasked by Bruce Wayne to get his or by Gordon or whoever I don't even remember to get as many people out of the city as possible. So he just goes to his old boy's home and just gets like a dozen of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's getting frustrating even talking about this movie and trying to recap the plot of it and it's like i'm rolling my eyes just listening and and trying to think about all the different loose ends and what it was trying to do and like it's it's frustrating and um i don't know it's just like here's the question like if nolan came back out and it was like i'm gonna do another i'm gonna do another batman would you guys be excited about it, or have we gone way past I mean, if, that yeah, point? Sure, I would because I mean, I suppose like out of context, sure, I'd be like, awesome. What, like, let's see what he has to do. But that, but like, if you start being like, Wait, why is he doing this? Then, then it becomes a little more <laughs> of a head scratcher and like, what's happening here? But, um, but yes, like almost for now, for the same reason, like Batman Begins was exciting because you're like what's what is he going to bring that we haven't seen before and like that is not what happened in especially dark knight rises dark knight was definitely innovative in in a lot of ways but. i mean i don't know what it would take to i th- actually i do i know what it would take to get me excited about a superhero movie from now on and it's the director like if nolan were to come out with and do it again even though we've seen it i'd be interested for the reason you said but if like tarantino wanted to do one um or even like james cameron or something that somebody different that wanted to take it on that's the only reason i i think i'd ever be excited about a superhero movie moving forward 
I mean, I just think we're running out of yeah new things to do with it. Yeah, and for sure. I think that's you know a little bit of like what you want to talk about, Jeremy, is the effect and influence that these Batman movies had going forward. And take the oversaturation aspect out of it. Like obviously, there's been too many, but you know the newest Batman is not. I I liked that movie fine, but it's not that interesting. I did, even though it's trying to do new things, and like it's just because like the new things aren't really interesting anymore with with this genre of of film. I mean, I'm sure there is a director that could like change our thinking about that, but would it still be would it still be able to follow the superhero formula? Like, I don't know, like if. Alex Garland made a superhero movie. Like, yeah, sure, that'd be interesting. I'll, whether I like his movies or not, I find them all interesting. But is it still is it still a superhero movie at that point? So I think that this kicked off like auteurs trying to dabble in this genre, and now we've seen it. Like, okay. Well, and, I don't know. Like, he wasn't. He's not the Christopher Nolan we know now then you know like he wasn't the auteur that we think of him now when he first started with batman begins in 2005 yes he came, i agree he started but... he started as an auteur yes yeah, i mean technically but i'm talking was... about like you know just the sort of phenomenon directors like a Fincher or Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson or a Garland or a uh, whatever uh, that that if they decided to take on something like this we'd all be like huh interesting that I want to see yeah I would definitely want to see if, if he wanted to come back to the genre and do it again I would love to see that but I mean, to me, like the Dark Knight Rises feels like a movie he didn't want to make. And it's just, it's. What makes it, I, I, I agree with that, Chapin, but what do you think it is specifically that makes it feel that way? Well, he has this bullshit quote I was reading where it's like, we can finally end our story. And like, it's the, that's what makes this unique and why I wanted to do it. But like, did they do that? I mean, I guess they're kind of stupid story that they made up in. It, it just, it, like, I think. Nolan is somebody who you when you when you watch the movie you get why he wanted to make it you get like you you see what he wanted to do and like in the dark night I get it it's like okay I have this extra money I have a little more control now I'm gonna make this movie in a way that you've never seen before like you've never seen like especially in the sort of you know at the same the same year that Iron Man came out this like ultra realistic grounded superhero film shot a lot on IMAX and you know kind of in the style of these filmmakers I love and you could see that that was why he wanted to make that movie I I just there doesn't seem to be any love in Dark Knight Rises there doesn't seem to be any passion for the material I mean like like you said Bane is an interesting character but ultimately he's just a henchman and like every little, every little sort of, I don't know. Like there, there just doesn't seem anything that he loves in this. And it, and it feels yeah. like this screenplay was written in, you know, six weeks and 
they move forward with it. Like it wasn't, you know, there's, there's no character as well. It's like, okay, well we've, okay. We want to go with Bane. Oh yeah. Okay. So we can connect it back to league of shadows. Like there's nothing original about it. The creation of the Joker and, and the sort of the Joker that Nolan created was a revelation. And it was, it was, it made that movie so interesting and, and groundbreaking but that that bane is not that and nothing in the dark knight rises comes close to that comes cl- comes close to being an interesting stimulating reason that no one would be invested in that movie and and honestly like maybe he made it you know as like a, i mean i'm sure he got a shit ton of money for it uh and maybe he you know got to make interstellar or that that helped him greenlight Dunkirk or, or what, whatever it is, um, you know, now Nolan has, I think Nolan really is the only person, you know, with the exception of maybe James Cameron and Steven Spielberg who has a blank check and can do whatever he wants. But um, I don't think that was the case back then. And, yeah, and, and I would reiterate, it's a great point, Chapin, about the screenplay for somebody who is so obsessed with writing some, very complicated but very thoughtful screenplays i mean he'd already written memento the prestige inception Inception, by the point of the dark knight rises i mean these are some of the best screenplays or smartest screenplays ever written that are fully thought out yeah like he can just like all over the place that is what really sort of tells me that like he just didn't care that's the indicator to me well, like and it also just so feels much like time diagramming and figuring this stuff out. And then he just was like, yeah, I guess this will work. And I think it's like it, the screenplay was rushed, but then also like, I don't want to say during filming, but like in pre-production, they're like, oh shit, like this, this kind of, this part of the story sort of hits a dead end. Let's introduce another character or something like, that's how I feel. And that's why like the, the point where, um, the undercover cops show up and try to help the hostages is just like the complete tipping point of that movie for me because it's just like where are you going with this this well, is nowhere. like when they they're... get killed like immediately exactly <laughs> exactly so they're like shit we um we hit a dead end here we we got to add something let's do this and then they're just killed like we get it we know how merciless bane is we've seen like 50 scenes already we saw him blow up a football field, and like <laughs> that was cool. And uh, but not that was CGI too, wasn't it? It was not very good. And it was, it was interesting. It wasn't real. No. Well, now he would do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, K- kills Ben Roethlisberger. But, um, yeah, it just felt like he's like shit. Let's we got to add more stuff in, like, and they just like were constantly trying to band-aid these things that didn't make sense about the script and it and it's it's just rehab like it's taking the villain and the motivation of the villain from the first movie which i found was to be interesting in the first movie this is this decadent city it's essentially new york you know this is this is like you know this is what al-qaeda hates about us as well like this decadent city and uh, people who don't care and snapping, you know, sort of sacking them in much the way they did Rome and they've been doing it for years as secret society. And I was like, oh, well, let's just do that again. And then, okay. And then uh, uh, what about like, uh, what about 
that okay yeah we'll, we'll work the den act in from it like it's all just rehashing of the last two movies yeah but you also like with the league of shadows do you think they're not like oh let's do that again oh great we can't come up with another idea should we do the this this only city that has a batman yeah yeah we we'll yeah. do we'll <laughs> yeah. do that right. city again which we'll, we'll do you sure we could pick any other city that's not protected that yeah. it would probably be really easy we could just do it no 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 it's a yeah um so I have a couple questions that we can discuss. One, uh, you know, perhaps a little superficially, like how do you guys feel in these movies about like the gadgets and the vehicles and like, you know, you have kind of a pretty cool Batmobile and then it kind of pretty coolly turns into a motorcycle in the second one. And then you have the bat in the third one. And there's this whole, guess what? A ridiculous plot line about the autopilot that we're supposed to kind of keep track of. Um, twist <laughs> like that i love how he's morgan freeman's just like i can't get the damn autopilot to work and then they're yeah. just like he, oh, he's well, invented all it. this impossible <laughs> stuff and he can't get the autopilot on the thing and then he's like work. maybe bruce wayne can fix it and then and then at the end they're like the autopilot doesn't work there um, is no autopilot but what do you think about all all that stuff that obviously like all his tool belt stuff gets more and more compli- complex and but also, you know, what did ridiculous. he do? Like, he was still n- close enough to the nuclear bomb that even if he had autopilot, he, it's not like he could eject and just parachute down. Well, he's over that's the ocean, he, that, I guess. That's what he did. That's exactly what he did, I Jeremy. don't think he was... He it's was real. In, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. This uh, happened in Gotham. Yeah. Um, but I think, I'll, like... I'll just say, our, I, think it's, I think it's really cool how they did it. Um... I think you know he they they really build they build these things they you know fly them on helicopters he does all this crazy shit to you know kind of fulfill his vision and while I um uh you know don't like the sort of the story he's telling I love the way he tells it and uh, I I think that's so cool like I'm looking at a picture of it right now it it was like mounted on this car the bat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they took the car out in post, but it's like sitting there and it's, you know, it's really cool. I think it's just, um, it's, you know, it's just, and that, you know, they have it on wires and I, I love that about it. Like, it's just, I think it's no, this sort of Nolan's the way he approaches making a movie. It just it appeals to me so much that like, you know, we're gonna, we're not going to just shove this. In, you know, put this on a computer and have a visual effects artist figure it out. We're going to really do it, and we're going to take the time to figure out how to do it. And um, to me, that's I think that's I love that aspect of Nolan. It's one of the things I love the, the most about him. It's just it's just not done in a uh, to the to the service of an interesting story here. Something else that is just kind of occurring to me is all of these things that Batman has. The, the Batmobile, the bike, the the bat, all his tools, his suit. It's all made in the off-the-books R&D division of Wayne Enterprises that, you know, um, Morgan Freeman is aware of, but nobody else really is. You have that weird little He's the only point person in, that works there. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, where are all the people that are making this? <laughs> These they're things. in China because in the first one they're talking about how like you know this was designed for the military and like that's again once again very grounded idea to kind of introduce all these things and like why they're being built and they're like 
you know, the bat suit was for combat, but it was too expensive. The army didn't want to use it. Like all that stuff is great. But then once Batman like takes it all over, they've still got people making all these things, whether or not Batman needs it. So like, who are they making them for? Yeah. There's a, uh, I feel like the more you like look into yeah, it's probably uh, not plot. a great idea. Yeah, it's just like, all right, well, whatever. Uh, um, but I don't. I also don't want to make it sound like we hated these movies either, right, guys? Like, I mean, especially. I mean, we all like Batman Begins. We all have an affinity for the Dark Knight for certain reasons. It's just the Dark Knight Rises really sort of falls it's pretty flat. Bad. And yeah, and I liked the Dark Knight. I I have been the most critical of the Dark Knight for years. Um, I still sort of maintain my statement that I've I have adamantly suggested that The Dark Knight is the most overrated movie of all time. And my my reasoning for saying that is not that it is a bad movie necessarily, but that it is f- like f- far too praised. And I still think that that is true, although I think the harshness of it being the most overrated movie of all time is probably not accurate. I probably don't feel that way, especially after this most recent viewing, but I stand by the principle behind that. Um, Which is Because that it's, it's too praised. It's far too praised. Like it's people ignore its flaws. And like I said, I think we've been pretty good about pointing out a lot of issues that do matter about that movie. Um, can I, can I, we were talking a little bit about the legacy here and I, I, I wanted to point something out, I think about an, a negative aspect of this, of this legacy, which is that, you know, I think the, the you guys said the Batman is, you know, the Batman got decent, pretty decent review 72 on Metacritic. It's, it's got the kind of, it's got a dark feel. It, it is very much indebted to, um, Nolan to Nolan's vision, but some other ones too. It's just like this kind of gritty you know whatever and it made a ton of money and it just like sort of validates this kind of filmmaking and i think the problem is is that it just like i i bet nolan i mean do you guys think nolan steps back and is like yeah the dark knight rises was a, a missed opportunity and i probably shouldn't have made it i don't think so i think he got a fat paycheck for it i think all these guys are sort of like you know they they get they get a little they get a little they, you know, they get some validation from the, you know, the initial critic reviews and, you know, they, they haven't made a classic, but they don't know it. And, um, like, I worry about that. I worry about, I, I worry about, sorry. Anyway. Well, I think Nolan still might say that the Dark Knight Rises isn't among his best movies. Well, pr- maybe sure wasn't his does, best efforts. Like, sure. But like, I think. You know, there was this push that I that I that I was probably behind to like make these movies sort of get the critical and award recognition that they that people believe they deserved. Um, you know, in expanding the uh, awards categories as they have, but this this validation I think is is troubling. Because it just, it just means that, you know, people aren't out to make classics anymore. They're not out to make these movies that last. And like, 
I don't think, I mean, whether he would say it or not, I don't think Nolan would make a movie like The Dark Knight Rises now. I think he knows, like, he's just, he's got better things, more interesting things to say. He's got, you know, and like, you know, like, I think Tenet had a lot of issues and, but like, that's an original movie, you know, and like it, it may have failed to deliver on a lot of the elements you guys think are important. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but at least it's an idea and yeah, you know, something interesting. Like I, I like the dark Knight rises is so boring. And, but do you feel like even Nolan thinks of the, the legacy as the three of them together, like this trilogy rather than separating it. And, and well, that is a legacy. I, think, I mean, that for sure is a I legacy. I think there's two legacies. I think there's the Batman trilogy legacy, and I think there's the Dark Knight, specifically the second one trilogy, because right. of its acclaim, because it's number three on the IMDb Top 250. It's every critic's, you know, darling movie. And, like, what that stemmed, a little bit to your point, Chapin, when they introduced the 10 nominees for movies such as The Dark Knight moving forward, was that now filmmakers don't necessarily need to think I need to make one of the best films of the year. I just need to make one of the best films in this genre because they are going to, they're making an effort now to make sure these are recognized. Right. And like the product of that, I think in some ways is the dark Knight rises because it is ambitious. It's big. It's like well shot. It has huge set pieces. It's got big name actors and I don't know that Marvel's ever really tried to do it, but like there's the occasional one that everybody thinks is great, like Black Panther and um, the Spider-Man movies and things like that. But these aren't like artistic achievements, like even in many ways the Dark Knight is. No, not at all. Well, speaking of the Dark Knight in terms of legacy, what is the legacy of Heath Ledger's performance, and I'm not talking about independently of itself, but to to other actors and what actors are bringing to these things. Like you look at the Joker and Joaquin Phoenix and all the you know that sort of legacy question when it comes to that. I mean, I think the Joker is you know an actor's role because it does offer so much in terms of like a you know a performative nature of the character and makeup and like all of these things and you know what. It, well, I, I don't think that this is really a factor in Jack Nicholson's Joker, but, you know, the unreliable narrator aspect of Heath Ledger's Joker gives you this whole, like, ac- acting within the performance thing that is just, you know, juicy for an actor. I, I wonder, watching this movie, and every time I see it, I, this, this comes up, whether or not Ledger's performance is the best we've ever seen. Is it the best supporting performance? Is it the best performance ever? Just the fact that the question is worth stating, I think, is is you know, yeah, a huge I mean, credit to his performance. Sure, I mean, you can uh, if somebody wanted to argue that it's their favorite performance of all time, I'm not going to sit there and argue against them. How about I put it that way? Is yeah, it? I mean, I think that's totally fair. Um, what about the other performances in these movies? I mean, I think obviously it's worth talking about Christian Bale you know, maybe Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman and Gary Oldman. Um, I mean, yeah, like we talked about the Rachels and, and Aaron Eckhart already. That was one of the standout things about Batman begins. It's like you, that poster got released and you're like, Oh my God, it's like a all-star team. Yeah. And, 
and Katie Holmes and Katie Holmes. I mean, yeah, like no joke. Like that's true. Um, but I, I think, I think, uh, I, I, I like, I like Oldman a lot in these films. I think starting in the, the dark Knight, he, his character starts, um, kind of going off the, like, uh, you start to understand him less, I guess. I mean, that just sort of the, the complexity of that, um, or the sort of the mess that that movie well, makes. He becomes like a second lead by, by the time you get to dark Knight rises. Yeah. Right. And right. In Batman um, begins, he's just much more of a supporting character. And, and I like, I like him in that. I like Morgan Freeman. I don't think he's got a ton to do except he, he sort of gets his come up. It's the dark Knight rises, which is too bad for him. Um, I, I think Aaron Eckhart is really bad as, as, uh, Harvey Dent. Um, Bale is great in the first one and I like his Batman in the first one too. I think he's sort of sidelined, um, there's less the to do in each each movie, yeah. I think. I think the the Bale Batman voice becomes distracting in the in I mean, especially the the Dark Knight Rises. I don't know if it's because something changed about it or if it's because it's sort of been parodied and mocked so much since then. But like, it's almost a little bit. Uh, it's almost like it's in on the joke in the Dark Knight Rises, weirdly. Like he's getting stabbed and he's still and still he's just yeah oh, what <laughs> um, I mean that 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 we talked about the Pete Holmes joke on, oh yeah on our last I, trip but his his you know his uh, making you know his uh, impression of that performance where he like can't seem to breathe out of his nose is so accurate you know like all of it is done you know done through the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. through the mouth and, yeah pete holmes um, uh sketch of that end scene in the in the dark knight rises is far better just far better than the actual movie but we had sex <laughs> <laughs> um what about i mean i really like michael Caine in these movies um i do too i think he's i mean i think he's obviously just such a naturally good actor but like he he oddly maintains kind of the same character throughout all three movies like he's just he's loyal he's looking out for bruce that's what's most important to him you know but he's there to help and you know he gets to a point in dark Knight rises where it's gone too far and like i don't know maybe there's some stuff there we don't totally need but i don't know i think he's great i i'd love when he keeps talking about all his trips to burma and in the the third one he's talking about this trip he goes on holiday every year and I'm like, what about the Wayne family? You were supposed to be yeah. working for them. <laughs> well, he's got he's allowed to take a vacation. Lee, you wouldn't you wouldn't begrudge the guy a vacation, would you? I would. I would. I would. Um. Yes, I think I think he's great and anchors the film. I mean, like that's another thing. Like the, uh, uh, you know, the just the sheer talent that is, you know seen throughout these films I think is quite yeah across the board I mean Hans Zimmer's scores I love the scores in these movies even even Dark Knight Rises I think the score is really great Um, Wally Pfister shot all of these I think is that right I know he shot the first two Um, he shot the third one too no but also I missed in the third one about that that the first two have is the whole uh, Bruce Wayne 
playboy billionaire thing i really that that was fun to play with that um and like you know alfred also you know enjoying the well the dichotomy of, of of him being a fake like being a like being the billionaire is the the performance he put puts on not right, the batman yeah. right and that's great and it, there's these great scenes in in both uh batman begins and and uh the dark knight when <laughs> the first time he like brings brings like these you know strippers to the to the restaurant and they're swimming in the pool and he's gonna write a check and he's like it's not a question of money he's like no 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 I'm buying this hotel. Yeah, I love that sort of and stuff. And then the second, and then Dark Knight, he goes to sit down for dinner with Rachel and Harvey, and he's like, I don't think they'll let him. He's like, they should. I own the place. Yeah. And it's just great. Like, he's... And or, like, so when fine. he buys back his company through stocks and, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, well, he doesn't... Do that? Yeah. <laughs> Some fancy uh, insider trading that... You know, you know, he's got friends in the in the Gotham DA, so you right. don't have to you don't have to worry about it. Um, Tom Wilkinson, forgot about yeah, him. Great performance, great performance. Um, Killian Murphy again. I think he's good in the Solid. first one, and then just keeps showing up. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh-huh. like, I need the work. Um, yeah, a lot of talent involved in these, and they just a lot of accept- talent, a lot of big paychecks. Yeah, that's for sure. Um. So, well, what's final impressions, guys? Rankings? Is it in order? Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises for all it, of us. It is I for me. Yeah. 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 I think it has to be. I mean, how how much of a drop would you guys say is it from the bat from Batman to the Dark Knight? Batman Begins to the Dark Knight. You know, that's a good question because they are like v- very different movies. Like, there's just such a leap in scale and ambition from Batman Begins to Dark Knight. Um, I think it's a pretty big gap for me, you know, based on a lot of the stuff we've talked about. Like, we actually haven't spent a lot of time talking about all the really good things in Batman Begins. Um, We've touched on it. But I think that is the kind of the credit to that movie, that there's not as so much, there's not so much stuff in it that you just have to be like, why is this here? It's in a pretty efficient movie. And I, it's not short, right? It's two and a half hours or something. Two hours and twenty minutes. Um, so I think it's a pretty big drop. Again, for me, a portion of that has to do with the movies in context of the trilogy. You know, movie is a movie is a movie, which we're supposed to you know adopt that mantra. Um, the drop is probably a little less, just because I think there are good things about the Dark Knight and things that are definitely more impressive about it than in Batman Begins. But for me, it's it's a pretty a pretty easy choice. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely changed my opinion, obviously. Uh, the drop from Batman Begins to the Dark Knight is not as big as it used to be, for sure, but the, the drop from Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises has gotten larger. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. Guess that does we need, it. We need to hear from you because everybody likes the Dark Knight more, except for us. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, 
movies, upcoming movies. Lee, Lee lost Sorry. his phone. Um, what do we What do we want to see? We gotta We gotta start getting some new movies in here. Well, we've got the creator that has just come out. Um, then we've got so it's pretty. The slate is getting full now. So we've got the creator, um, Dumb Money. If we really feel like seeing that, it's done okay in terms of reviews. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon comes out in a couple weeks. Um, Priscilla a few weeks after that. Fair Play is supposed to be good. Uh, that comes out October thirteenth. Who's in that? Um, I don't know their names off the top of my head, although I recognize them. Alden, Aaron Reich, Phoebe oh. Denever. I don't know her. Um, it's a Netflix movie. It's got some good reviews, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're starting to hit the stretch where some more stuff is coming out. There's also some of the ones that were from earlier in the year that are, are now available on VOD. Past Lives um, is obviously a big one. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Showing Up, Kelly Reichardt's movie. So, yeah, there's plenty plenty to see. Yeah, I'm getting excited about it, especially uh, for Killers. Oh, cannot wait. Um, all right, Chapin. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us through this uh, Dark Knight trilogy revamp, uh, you know, look at that series. Chapin um, <laughs> ran out of words. I ran out of words. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do next, but thank you for bearing with us. And um, yeah, let us know if you've, or Lily, what's the email address? Get your film fix podcast at gmail.com. Get your film fix podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you love the Dark Knight. And you think it's far above Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises? Let us know and, and you know record something. Send it to you. We'd love to discuss it. We'd love to take fifteen minutes of the next podcast and you know tear tear your opinion apart. Yeah, so exactly, um, tell you why you're wrong. Send us send us something. We'd love to talk we, about we it. We dare you. Fucking dare you. We yeah, I fucking dare you to do it. I dare you. Come on, hit me, hit me. You don't fear that. You welcome it. Your punishment must be more severe. Torture. Yes. But not of your body. Of your soul. Where am I? Home. Where I learned the truth about despair. As will you. There's a reason why this prison is the worst hell on earth. Hope. Every man who has rotted here over the centuries has looked up to the light and imagined climbing to freedom. So easy. So simple. And like shipwrecked men turning to seawater from uncontrollable thirst. Many have died trying. I learned here that there can be no true despair without hope. So, as I terrorize Gotham, I will feed its people hope to poison their souls. I will let them believe that they can survive so that you can watch them clambering over each other to stay in the sun. You could watch me torture an entire city. And then when you truly understood the depth of your failure, we will fulfill Razagul's destiny. 
destroy Gotham. And then, when it is done, and Gotham is ashes, then you have my permission to die. <laughs>